to the Closed In Podcast, where you are set free. I remain your sister and friend, Deborah Sampson, but you can call me D. To find out more about Closed In, please go to closedin.org. Starting this episode, I'm saying a very big thank you to Daddy God for the privilege to host this podcast, to host this episode. I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. Thank you, God. To you, my listener, thank you. Um, Whether you're a new listener or you've been here with me since I started the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm really grateful for your time, for your presence. God bless you. Um, and you know, I want to say a very big thank you as well to everyone that has been supportive, just giving me feedback, letting me know when an episode or how an episode has been helpful or has been a blessing. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that sends in questions. You know, um, your reason this podcast has content because that's all this podcast is all about, answering questions. Please remember, we are now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, just simply search for the Closed In Podcast and you will find us there. Please subscribe, give five-star ratings, you know, drop your positive, encouraging, and constructive reviews, share the episode links, and you know what, let's get to the top five Christian podcasts in the world. <laughs> so, like I mentioned in the previous episode, by God's grace, um, I'll be dedicating one closed-in episode to Thanksgiving in celebration of closed-in sixth-month anniversary. Um, just thanking God for the journey so far, sharing reviews that I have received, and just so much more. So please watch out for that episode. Like I mentioned, if you want to be a part of this journey to help Closed In keep going and growing, please send your question, any question bothering you and, you know, that you want God's perspective on. Please send your question to questions at closedin.org and um, the link will be in the description box as well and on the website closedin.org. Um, I really look forward to receiving your questions and I trust God that, you know, an answer would come for you and everyone listening as well would be blessed. So today's question is actually part three um, of our previous questions. So to the question of the day, dun, dun. how do I cope? or thrive as a believer in the diaspora this is actually the part three <laughs> um so if you've not listened to part one and two please do after listening to this one 
Um, I believe you'll be blessed and you'll receive value for your time by God's grace. And um, also, I would include the link to part one and two in the description box of this episode. So to the context again, you know, of this question. So if you're just listening to this for the first time, um, I'm a Nigerian lady who moved to the UK some time ago. I received this question from someone in my home country, Nigeria. Um, the person was asking how I cope as a believer here in the diaspora. So I'm answering this question from the perspective of someone that has an African background and culture now living in a different culture and in my case the British culture um, however I believe that the answers I'll be giving um, they are applicable in whatever context you find yourself in irrespective of your culture or even if you're still living in your home country so I'm giving this answers from my experiences but they are backed up with scriptures um, so a quick recap in part one um i gave three points on how not just to cope but thrive as a believer so number one i said set god as your priority and focus and you'll be fine number two have your standards and what you won't compromise on even if it is the norm in your society. Number three, belong to a Bible-believing and practicing church that reminds you of your nature of God, that though you're in this world, you are not of this world. Um, one that nurtures your spiritual growth, teaches you how to cope and thrive as a believer and stands as your support system. It's very important. In episode two, I discussed two points, um, which is number four was to serve in your local church. Number five, I, I said that your association matters, like it matters a lot. That's your friends, especially your close friends. Um, and in this episode, like in the part two, I also mentioned that I strongly encourage that if you can, that you remain in close contact with your friends or family or mentors or relationships or communities that you left behind in your home country or maybe they're just not in the same country as you are but you share the same spiritual vibes um stay in contact with them so if this is your first time as you can see I've discussed a lot of points in part one and two. So if you've not listened to them, please go and listen after this episode. Um, in this episode, I hope to wrap up. <laughs> but then even if I don't, it's fine. Right. So let's continue. How do I cope or thrive as a believer in the diaspora? So um, so number six. Number six. Um Okay, so like I mentioned in part two, right, um, I briefly mentioned that from personal observation, you need to understand that the theology and perspective um, of Christianity preached in Africa or developing countries 
um, is a bit different from the perspective of Christianity preached and practiced in a developed country. And I said that understanding this will make a huge difference and will keep you grounded. So I'll, I'm going to be starting this episode from there, like I will continue from there. Um, so for this, there are two entirely different perspectives I'll be explaining this point from. So just follow me. Mm -hmm. So perspective one. You see, um, Nigeria, right, is a developing country with a lot of faulty or absent infrastructures. I mean, like, there are a lot of things we pray for that ordinarily should have been provided or covered by the government. For example, for example, good roads. However, due to the faulty roads or heavy traffic, we have to claim, or for example, the insecurity, um, we have to claim God's promises on journey messages. So, like scriptures like, the ransom of the Lord shall return and return with everlasting joy. And the thing actually is, these promises work for us because we know that it's only God we have. And God also knows that he's the only one that we have. Or, for example, you know, the inconsistency of power supply makes us claim provisions for generators and fall to power the generator. But like now, with the current hike in fall price, you know, we have to claim God's promises for provision. And which, unfortunately, consistent power supply is actually supposed to be an infrastructure that we should have now please follow me i'm not trying to badmouth nigeria or anything like that i love nigeria with all my heart um if you know me and that's why weekly my friends and i we intercede for the peace and prosperity of nigeria because we believe in nigeria um so i'm stating all of this because i'm going somewhere so please i just need you to follow me right now not having these adequate but you know supposedly basic infrastructures to get by um to live makes the average christian nigerian believe trust and serve god for everything and actually that's not bad right but the issue with this is that most people tend to come to god from a need basis not necessarily from a love basis and this has also colored or it has played a great influence even on our evangelism so you hear statements like come to jesus and your needs will be met God will provide for all your needs. Your life will be secured, you know. And the truth is, these are all true. But they are limiting because how you come to receive the life of Christ most times is how you would view God. So if you came to God because of sickness and God healed you, your view of God would majorly be God the healer. 
um, if you came to God to provide for your needs and he provided for you, you would view him as God, your provider, right? Um, which is good, but it's limiting because there is more to God than being a healer or provider. He's also father, king, lord, friend, you know, and if you don't desire to grow in your knowledge of God, those other sides might never be revealed to you. Um, okay, so I know that there are some exceptions to these examples, like my church in Nigeria, Citizens of Light Church, um, which is a teaching church. Like that was where I learned to see God as Father, um, because in Father is all you need, in Father is healer provider in father is protector you know and so on but churches like my church are not so rampant um and please follow me i'm still getting somewhere <laughs> um so now because an average nigerian christian comes to god from a need basis when the christian now comes abroad to a developed country where everything the person was praying for before has all been provided and catered to so for example there's 24 7 light there is there are good roads you know there's good security and just you know all the basic infrastructures are working there's good water supply and there is no need to pray to god to provide these things and then the person starts wondering what they need god for and at that point, it's so easy for the person to put God aside because the person saw God as a means to an end and not the end. And this is one of the major reasons that I see that white Christians were on fire for God back in their home country, but then they travel abroad and drop God. But but now the flip side but when your relationship with god is born from a place of love and intimacy to seek him for him right and i mean you still trust him to cover your needs but you're seeking him majorly for who he is right when you come over to a developed country you're not moved because your work with God was never actually focused on what he would give you, but on him as a person. And because of that mindset, you'll be able to adapt or cope or thrive in a church that is not always preaching about your needs or in a place where, I mean, all your, in quotes, basic needs have been met. Because the thing is, sometimes it can actually be a culture shock for some for some Nigerian Christians when they come over, you know, and the church they attend, especially a British predominated congregation, and they can relate with the perspective, with some of the perspectives of the sermon, because the pastor is not preaching from the perspective of God would provide you water, God will give you a car, you know. 
he's not preaching that so it's something new now for me it was easy for me to fit into my current church hall vineyard because they had similar scriptural doctrines with my nigerian church citizens of light church so it never felt like i left my home church you know it was just like i simply changed location because the heart and the core values of the churches are very similar so if you're planning to come abroad or you're already abroad you know as an african or just you know know this and know peace if you want to cope and thrive as a believer the truth is you might need to reevaluate your relationship with god and i'm speaking from experience because i did it myself at some point i sat with myself and i asked myself why am i in a relationship with god am i in it for what he has to give me or am i in it for him and eventually with the help of the holy spirit i came to the conclusion that you know what i mean a relationship with god for him to know him to do his will to 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 live out his purpose for my life so for me god is the end not the means to an end so that's just perspective one now to perspective two remember i'm still explaining the point that of how the theology and perspective of christianity preached and practiced in africa or developing countries is a bit different from the perspective of christianity practiced or preached in a developed country right so perspective two so from personal observation i've noticed that the expression of christianity in a place is largely influenced by the culture of that place what do i mean so for example in nigeria and now i'm mentioning nigeria a lot because like i said you know at the beginning the context of this is i'm a nigerian i was asked by someone in nigeria so but you but you might be listening you're not from nigeria but you can still relate with what i'm saying right okay so so yes so for example in nigeria still on perspective too a typical sunday in a pentecostal movement looks like this so the congregation they're wearing their best clothes you know the clothes are very colorful sometimes dramatic you know the sunday service is characterized with loud active energizing praise worship sessions music you know um there are calls call and responses and sometimes shouts as you know the pastor or the teacher is preaching you know you have photographers and videographers going around you know <laughs> capturing the faces of the congregants smiling or maybe someone the holy spirit you know you know just fell on someone like the power of the holy spirit you know um just fell on someone and the person just like could just jump out of their chairs and the videographers would be quick to go and capture that right now in a huge contrast to this let me describe in my experience what a typical sunday in a british church looks like so a sunday service in a british church looks like this the congregation they just wear normal clothes, like their normal everyday clothes. 
probably with few people making extra efforts. The music is not loud at all. <laughs> the reading of the praise and worship songs are just cool. There is no much drama. Probably no drama at all in the praise and worship. Like the preaching sessions are characterized with silence. So there is no call or response. Uh, there's no photographer during the services getting close, you know, up close and personal to people's faces. And I believe that's probably due to data privacy laws. So you can imagine the huge difference. Now, if you've not, if like you're not used to this or you've not been mentally prepared for this stark difference, as an African, you might slip off during the sermon in a British Sunday service, or you might just feel bored. And thing is, this is actually one of the major reasons some Africans just prefer to go to African churches in the diaspora because most African churches abroad, they actually carry the same atmosphere and traditions of African churches at home. And so it just makes the person feel at home. And I can actually relate with them. If this works for you, I mean, it's better for you to go to an African church than not to go at all. Um, however, I encourage everyone, like I encourage you to be open and be flexible because if as an, if as an African, if you don't have an African church or a church similar to your home church in your locality, then don't let that, don't, don't use that as an excuse not to attend a physical church, you know, attend whichever you can find, as long as it's a Bible-believing and Bible-practicing church. The Spirit of God is one, right? Um, the Bible says that we should not neglect the the fellowshipping with other brethren, right? So for me, by God's grace, it was really easy for me to blend and fit into my current church hall vineyard because it has... It has, um, like I mentioned before, similar resemblance with my home church, even in the praise and worship songs. And fun fact about me, I actually grew up listening to my current church songs. Um, I, ju I just didn't know they were a church. Like, I only knew the music aspect of them. So they were called Vineyard Records, but now they're called Vineyard Worship. And it was when I came over... And so I started attending the church that I realized, oh, Vineyard is actually a church. And the music I used to listen to was their songs. Because during service, I realized I knew most of the songs. And the ones I didn't know, it was so easy to learn and know them. And it really just connected me back to my childhood. Yeah, so that's an example of how culture influences Christianity. So another example of how the expression of Christianity in a place is largely influenced by the culture of that place is, so for example, in Nigeria, if as a worker or even a member, you don't show up in church, there is every possibility that someone will check up on you. Either they would send you a text message or someone would call you, or they would even come to look for you at your home. And this is because the African culture is characterized by the communal lifestyle. That's the we mentality, you know, the we are all here for you lifestyle. And this has 
actually largely influenced our expression of the fruit of the spirit love and in my opinion <laughs> i feel like this is how the early church lived their lives you know as well however in contrast to this from personal observation um in developed countries like england where i am due to the you know due to their individualistic approach to life where the mindset and the language is i my space my life you know my you know my i it, <laughs> it's possible to miss church like not go to church and no one will even notice or even if they do notice, because they don't want to encroach on your privacy or space, they might not reach out to check up on you, except maybe your really, really close friends at church. And truthfully speaking, this can be lonely. And, you know, what I've just said, it can be a huge culture and Christian shock to anyone that is not used to or familiar with the individualistic way of living, you know, of lifestyle. And this is one of the reasons some believers get offended or hurt and they stop going to their churches because they don't, they don't feel loved or looked after. So to overcome this, right, um, you have to be open to these realities and many more. And decide that these differences will not stop you from loving God, serving him or worshipping together with your church family. Have you ever heard of the term cultural quotient? You know, just like we have intelligent quotient, IQ, and emotional quotient, EQ. We also have cultural quotient, CQ. I actually first heard this term at a seminar held um, during the National Vineyard Leaders Gathering that was held at um, Trent, Nottingham. I was privileged to attend thanks to my church hall vineyard. Um, I actually heard it for the first time there from Charles Montgomery Jr. He actually serves as the Association's Strategic National Coordinator for the Vineyard USA, and he's also a teaching pastor at the Vineyard Columbus. Um, so he defined cultural intelligence as the capability to function and relate effectively in culturally diverse situations. I'll take that again. Cultural intelligence, he defined it as the capability to function and relate effectively in culturally diverse situations. Um, I mean, this has never left me. And I'm actually interested in pursuing this to know more. Um, and you can also do your research on this as well. So I discovered from the, the seminar or should I say I learned from the seminar that even though we are believers, it is important to understand that cultural intelligence has a great influence on how we express Christianity 
how we adapt to new cultures and societies, either from the foreigner's view or from the community's view, like in this case, like the church that the foreigner is coming to join in. Now, majority of the perspectives I have shared so far on understanding the influence of culture on the expression of Christianity, truth is I learned it from my dad. So before I left Nigeria, um, my daddy, Dr. Samson Amedo, that's as far as my biological dad, <laughs> um, he had already prepared my mind. He had explained to me that I might never find a church like mine. I might see or have some experiences in the church I attend that might not be 100% in line with what I have known from home. And it's okay, you know. Um, he made me understand that the most important thing is knowing my own standards, following the Holy Spirit, and worshiping with other believers, no matter the conditions I might face. He gave me, for example, he gave me examples of how the church he attended while schooling abroad was a church where they didn't pray in tongues, yet they expressed the love of God in a very wonderful manner. So I learned from my dad to be open and flexible. And I must let you know that his lessons really, really helped me to adapt, cope, and thrive here as a believer abroad. And I just want to use this medium to say thank you very much, Daddy. I know you'll be listening to this episode, as you always do to every of my episodes. Thank you so much. I'm grateful and I love you very much. Okay, so... Moving on, you know, so having the knowledge of all these, you know, different perspectives of how the expression of Christianity in a place is largely influenced by the culture of that place, it would really guard your heart from taking offense. And even if you do get offended, you can forgive and let the pain go. You know, having this knowledge will also help your mindset it will help you stay grounded and more importantly it will help you cope and thrive as a believer in a different cultural setting and i mean in this case in the diaspora abroad away from home so moving to the next point on how to cope as a believer in the diaspora if you're still with me thank you um i just want to cover this point i, I don't i don't mean for this to be so long but if you're getting value please stay with me so moving on to the next point number seven on how to cope and thrive as a believer in the diaspora i would say be kind to people everyone you come across and pray for favor like you will greatly need it live a life of love and mercy be kind go out of your way to do something good for someone with no expectations of getting anything back in return from them you know there is a popular slogan abroad that you hear people say nothing is free you know, in the diaspora, which 
to some extent is true because everything costs something like you know but when you live a life of love going out of your way to help people you know giving a smile it could just be being kind i mean it's new it's fresh and it stands out in people's memories and i'm telling you you will receive favor um what is favor it, as my pastor would define favor is when god compels people to do good to you um and the thing is when you're kind to people, you receive favor, not necessarily from the people you were kind to, but the good will definitely come back in greater measures to you because whatever you sow, you will reap. So if you sow good things, you will reap good things. This is the way I personally live my life. And I must say to the glory of God that it, it has been working for me tremendously. Like, I receive a lot of free things from clothing items to free car rides to free food to free date trips. Like, I don't lack any good thing. God has really, really been good to me in this land. Like, I spend the currency of favor and good relationships. And I actually learned this from my spiritual parents and my biological parents. And it has been working for me. And it can work for you as well. So um, if you've never enjoyed favor as a believer, ask God to reveal to you why. Because it's your right as a child of God. You know, my spiritual parents, they always say that if you have to work for every single thing you have in your life, that's not a good way to live. Because time is a li limited resource and there's just so much that you can do in a day. However. Um, in addition to your human efforts, you can be blessed with the currency of favor and relationships, you know, where people can help you, they can give to you, they can mention your name in corridors of power, they can give you their endorsements, they can refer or connect you with people that will bring your dreams to life. I mean, the list is endless. You might wonder how this is related to coping and thriving as a believer. Well, truth is, if things are really hard and tough for you in a developed country, loving God or serving God or going to church, I promise you will be the least on your mind. <laughs> Um, because from personal observation, the world system is not designed to help you get closer to God. Um, and so, so having a thriving relationship with God, especially in a developed country, is actually more of a choice that takes every bit of intentionality on your part and extra effort so if things are really hard for you and you feel your prayer request to god for help is not being answered i'm telling you you would be open to any alternative that would relieve you of your pains or worries but that would not be your story in jesus name amen amen so Please pray for favor. You know, in addition to that, like from personal observation, I've seen that because of the individualistic nature of, you know, developed countries, in my case, England, 
and that's probably due to the way things are run. Everyone is on their own. So you hear slogans like, you're on your own, you know. So people going out of their way to help you is gold <laughs> and it is priceless. So let's imagine, for example, you have kids and there's no one to babysit them while you go to work and you don't have so much money to spend for childcare. This situation is likely to affect the kind of job you can get and also affect your pay. Like this can be hard, right? But imagine you're favored and you have friends, you know, or family members that are willing to help. That is gold. <laughs> I tell you, it is gold and it is priceless. So let me also add here that whenever anyone helps you or favors you in any form, little or big, please be grateful. Don't have an entitlement mentality. It, it puts people off. And if you remember the earlier definition of favor that I said of God compelling men to help you. So this makes you see that the source of favor is God, but the channel are men. So you have to appreciate both the source and the channels as well. Because whatever you appreciate and think multiplies and increases. And may I add here that in case you have expected help from someone and the person didn't help you, don't be offended at the person. Simply know that God did not put your help in that person's hand. You know, remember that God is the source of help. This mindset has really helped me not to take offense or feel bad. And yes, it can be painful. But most times I've come to realize that it's, you're probably pained when someone does not help you because your focus was on the person and not on God. Your focus should always be on God. He's the one that would compel men and even the devil to help you. So um, if you're not enjoying favor, like I said, ask God. It's your right. And if you have dishonored or despised anyone in time past that was of help to you, please ask God to forgive you and repent, you know, and start appreciating every favor that comes your way either big or small, you know, because for that small that you received, that might have been that person's everything. And for the big that you received, that could also have been that person's everything. You just, you don't know, you know, you're not in their shoes. You don't know how things are for them. I'll be stopping here today. Uh, I I really thought I would have, I'll be able to, I would have been able to cover all my points in this episode, but I guess I'll be discussing the final points in the next episode. So please expect and look out for it. I really, really hope you found, you know, this episode really practical, valuable. Probably you gained new appreciation, understanding, or just seeing the impact of culture on Christianity from a different perspective. And probably this has but compassion or understanding towards another believer from a different culture or society or probably this is your first time hearing about the currency of favor and good relationships 
whichever if you learned something new in today's episode um just please let me know feel free to reach out to me personally if you know me or you can message me on social media and let me know i would sincerely appreciate your kind gesture i pray that grace is released to you wherever you're at wherever you need help whether favor or probably grace to forgive offenses or grace to adapt different cultures from yours pray that you are empowered to not just cope but thrive as a believer wherever you are in jesus name amen now if you've never been in a relationship with god or you were at some point but something happened and you just walked away today is for you don't harden your heart rather receive him by saying this with me daddy god i come to you through the name of your son jesus I know things have not been right and I am sorry and repent from all my wrongdoings and I ask that you forgive me. Right now, I receive your life. Thank you for translating me from the kingdom of darkness into your kingdom of light and thank you for making me your child. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen. If you've just said that we need, please connect with me on closedin.org forward slash connect. Please feel free to reach out. If you would love to join any of the open communities I belong to, like I mentioned in part two, um, feel free to reach out. And please send your questions to questions at closedin.org. If you have any follow-up questions or just any question in general that you want to hear God's perspective on the matter, I'll put the link in the description description box of this episode please share this episode link to at least one person not everyone just one person that you know would really really benefit from this episode remember we are now on apple podcast google podcast and you can find us on social media as closed in social no space closed in social so please share so that more people can hear about closed in and be blessed like you have been and so that more questions can come in also please remember to look out for the thanksgiving episode to celebrate closed in six month anniversary if you've listened this far thank you <laughs> so answer our confession first corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 amplified version which says god is faithful he's reliable trustworthy and ever true to his promise he can be depended on and through him you were called i was called into fellowship with his son jesus christ our lord thank you so much for listening to the closed in podcast where you are set free